You're listening to the Europe Asia podcast, a podcast where we aim at deepening the mutual understanding and building stronger relations between Europe and Asia. Presented by the Brussels-based Europe Asia Center, we invite you to dive into the exploration of complexities and nuances that form the multi-layered relations between Europe and Asia. Through conversations with leading experts, we follow our firm belief of the need to facilitate connections, understanding and mutual trust. I'm Matiz Gajsek, a Deputy Director of the Europe Asia Centre, and in today's podcast we are reaching out to Slovenia and China, talking about the highly anticipated start of the 2022 Winter Olympic Games in Beijing. Sports diplomacy is a new term that describes an old practice, uh, the unique power of sports to bring people, nations and communities closer together through their shared love of physical pursuit. Uh, talking about the importance of sports in global dialogue, I'm honored to welcome today's guests, Ambassador Pete Steele, Chairman of the Europe Asia Center and the Special Olympics Belgium, as well as the Winter Sports Royalty herself. Ms. Tina Maza, the winner of four Olympic medals, four World Championship and five Deputy World Championship titles, as well as the holder of the record-running FIS World Cup track with an unbeatable 2013 season, where she scored a total of 11 victories and 24 podium finishes. A very warm welcome to both of you. Um, you. It's such a pleasure having you as our guest um, ahead of the Beijing Olympics that are opening in less than a day, actually, uh, since we are airing. Um, Before we really dig into some of the complexities and and depth of the topics, um, I really um, want to ask you, Tina, uh, if I can start with, with that question, how does an usual day of a retired Olympic and world champion look like? <laughs> I think that um, um, depends on the situation where you're at. For example, right after my career, a day was very sad. Uh, it was empty. It was no program going on. So I would say I had quite a year of difficulties to find myself and uh, luckily or not luckily, I programmed my trainings uh, that way that when I finished my career, I would go to do studying, I would finish my uh, uh, studying degree and my last uh, diploma uh, writing. So it was a lot of computer work, which is, was never my favorite compared to the sports, but it's a must that you have to do when you are studying. So I would say I went directly from skiing intensity to the school uh, studying, uh, which, which helped me because at least you have some programs. So slowly I changed my program of living, of daily programming and not so much sport, more uh, different work. Of course, when you are a professional athlete, you train twice a day and you are, your head is just there and thinking how you will recover from training or from race or uh, you are analyzing yourself on every second, probably. You are never happy and you always want to achieve more, which is her lifestyle. And I think when you stop, uh, when you stop uh, this professional career, it's very, it can be much easier because you don't need to focus on every single moment that you live in and what you move you do. Is this right? Is this not right? You simply live easier life. And sport from that point of view is very, um, it's, it's hard because it's 
24 hours a day. You are there and you are trying uh, to, to improve yourself to be better athlete and person. So I said I've achieved this and now I think uh, when I will find a balance, I'm saying this because 100% deduction uh, deduction to sport is like um, then I went probably to 10% and then somehow slowly you you go to 50 so you find your balance there I cannot live without sport I need to do sport I need to do I need to move and I need to be sport person but not so much as I was before but it's not only physically, it's also mentally, I suppose, or, or, or both, you know. Yeah, I think it's the right word is both because it's psycho, psychophysics. Mm. It's, uh, we say psychophysic state, no? You don't say mental state. Mm. I think both together mm. it's the right word because uh psychology is you are becoming stronger if you're strong on on the physics side so it's like a pyramid that go, is growing or going down so but you didn't fall into the deep void if i didn't fall in the void you know like uh, in the mountains all of a sudden you fall ball you can say it like that it feels like that because you really go from 100% to to zero but you need to know that when you go down where to stop the bottom can go down <laughs> down down <laughs> i've been more down than i was when i stopped career i had some crisis between my career and i, I know what depression means i know where it can come i know what it can lead to but we are ourselves and you can decide for yourself how 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 much um bottom you want to feel and then when i felt that's enough then i said okay now i need to move do things that i like find things that i like and of course then when as a woman having a family that's like for me different world now and it makes me happy every single day so do, it's, uh, it's do, different do you have also physical scars you know because all your crashes maybe in the career it's like no. a, ten a tennis player no luckily or not luckily i don't think this is luck i think this is like um very a, a little bit of my nature of my grandfather of my mother but it's a lot of work behind i was never injured prevention was always really important part of our trainings and i am also a person who doesn't like to risk so being a downhiller and winning olympic games in downhill for me this was really huge because i was never born downhiller i was i learned how to be fast on the skis it's different than just throwing yourself down in one downhill it's it's much different i'm always afraid people have uh, memories from me when i would just break before the jump you know <laughs> because i was afraid and i needed really a lot of time to become a downhiller and i was never injured i think also of this complexity of things that i mentioned now so no broken bodies no broken bones <laughs> no broken bones the only injury i had is pretty ridiculous i had it when i was a kid while i was fishing tack 
<laughs> because I, I fell down from the chair, you know, this chair oh, the, that has three the camping chair. Legs. Camping chair. I would fall down back, and, and I had a pain here like for three days, and I said this something is wrong. Then they took me to the doctor, and they said I have a broken um, wrist. Yeah, a broken yes. wrist. I mean, you gave quite a lot of interesting um, connotations for me to ask the follow-up question. Actually, you said, I mean, the the genetic, you know, from your grandfather, from your mom. Then you said, I mean, also of course prevention, and now in you know, the story of broken wrist from childhood while fishing. Um, what was actually your entry point into the winter sports? Um, do you maybe even have like a very vivid memory of your first experience on the skis? I read in one of the articles you say, I mean, where I'm, where I come from, Chernobyl, I mean, there was nothing else to do than skiing. But yeah. I mean, how did how did that love for skiing grew to such an extent? You know, I mean, you've really you are the you know the winter sports royalty. Um, how did that start? Yeah, I think it's uh, it started because simply behind of the our house we had a lot of snow. Winters were full of snow, and being outside the nature, every parent wants for their child. And I remember my father was explaining to me I was very afraid to fall, uh, and I still can confirm that now. I was afraid to crash on the snow, so he would throw himself in the snow to show me that doesn't happen anything and uh, simply I was afraid of falling down or in, get injured or, or I don't know what but tradition in my home village is very very big because we have nine Olympians from there skiing was always one of the most important sports my neighbor was Mitya Kunz and they were winning medals on world championships as I was a child I saw them winning and I was a child who brought them the, the prize ceremony flowers so those were really experience that made me um, want to become a next champion of the village uh, and bring people and this happiness that comes with the success together and having these parties and be there, you know, the person who, who makes people happy. <laughs> I think that was the most, um, yeah, the best experience that I have from my village and how this tradition is rolling from one generation to the other. I believe next generation from my village will have good example from me and they will try to do uh, good athletes from by themselves as well so so the, despite really coming from a um, from a rural part for all our listeners um Koroshkam is a, a, a truly a remote part of, of the tiny country of slovenia but um then then you really had a, a platform where you could you know, see yourself growing. Was there also like a, a strong support base then in community when you were really already starting with active competition? I mean, you, you started also quite young on a, on a very high level. Yes, uh, it's the problem with skiing is that you miss a lot of school days or school uh, hours and you miss so many things that you have to redo them afterwards. And if I wouldn't have the support from from teachers from my friends who were helping me uh, sign the, the new notebooks the next day and explaining me such things I would never be able to 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 manage both things and and I I, I did manage it because I think system was very um, 
uh, nice to to uh, a child who wants to succeed in in sports and not just elementary school also later on when i was older when when you go to gymnasium and and you want to become a, a a university person it needs to be friendly to those people who who need more time maybe but they can do it if they have more time but some countries they don't have this possibility and i see they are suffering to to build the both both careers together and i'm really thankful that slovenia was was and i think still is one of the countries where you can do both and that's very important and and now looking back today i mean you you do not live yeah back in 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 your hometown anymore if i'm correct um how do you look back now i mean is, i mean one interesting quote that i read recently in an article was that you recently took a trip back and took a touring skis and then went up the hill one of the slopes that you've um, skied as a child as well and you saw a group of children actually in their um uh, in their uh, um, practice yeah and you, yeah. you you said that you were really overwhelmed with emotions is is that still like an, an emotional place for you now with a lot of memories or or has your life really went beyond that i mean the the home village is always the home village you were you were a child there you grow up there you made experience there and it's it's special our village is small so it's pretty safe everybody knows each other uh so i said okay even later on when i became a known person in slovenia i said okay it didn't change a lot for me because anyway in one village everybody knows everything about you so that just multiplied for me when i became a slovenian uh, uh known person and maybe also in the world so for me i mean home village is always home uh, i always like to go back people know me i have coaches from there they have this um, many pictures still in the village from my success and of course things are changing now time flies i'm in different situation now i go there sometimes to ski with my daughter and it's it's different world different moments and i i believe i did the best that i could when i was racing but now it's maybe a different situation and yeah having memories of course it's nice but you cannot live from the memories i say yeah. your your career lasted uh, 10 years as a as a top sporter no my career started when i was um 16 and i ended with 34 i didn't calculate but it's it was pretty long career uh, I, i believe my career was two parts first part was not so successful but second part was very successful and i would win every single world championships a medal and olympic games too as before before 2006 i was winning the races but i wasn't that high level performer uh on a regular um race so that, that is that the average uh, length of uh, a career as a skier no i think my career was very long especially mm. because i had no injuries mm. and that means when you have no injuries you are always there you are practically every race you are present and mm. it's hard to on one side injuries very good because you need to you can 
or you need to um, to work on other things and the racing is not priority anymore. So you focus on uh, rehabilitation, you have time for other things. But for me, it was very difficult because I was always there and being motivated every single day. I was also doing all the events, all the races. It's very hard um, to be high motivated every single race. Yeah. And hey. I believe my career was very long <laughs> because of that. In some sports, uh, tennis, you see yeah. now players until 40, even more than 40. You see like Nadal, who won, you know, it's, it's incredible that uh, yeah. sports people at that high level, that they yeah. can remain in shape. It's incredible, but I think uh, the medic, the, the sport has become so professional that thanks to that, I'm saying about physiotherapy, I'm saying about mental health, I'm saying about uh, other coaches, it, it can bring you to high age and you can be very, very perf good performer. Of course, body is a body. When you are getting older, you need more time to recover. But if you're not injured, it's... Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, but if if you are not injured, it's like uh, it's easy. I think it's easy because, especially for men, if they have a family, they can continue their sport. It's different for for ladies because they need to 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 make birth and yeah, to be a mom. It's different than to be a dad. It's it's but everything is possible, especially in sports that are not so risky. For example, tennis or athletics. Uh, skiing is a little bit more tricky in terms to organ organize everything and do the trainings. With athletics, your child can play on the athletics field and you see them. Once you are skiing, you have to take a lift and <laughs> you don't see them. So you, you need somebody to help. One of the points that you mentioned talking about actually like two stages of career, one before you know before the real breakthrough of consistent performance and you know high achievements um and you know the the, the prior and after um obviously you've you know climbed all the peaks that there is possible to climb in in the in the winter sports um, um in skiing uh how was your view you know as a winner of now total of four olympics um what did olympic games actually mean to you um, let's say in the first period, uh, you know, prior to 2006, as you said, and then post 2006, when you're, you know, you really skyrocketed with your consistency, with your performances, I mean, and really reaching the Olympics, you know? Yeah, it has different aspects because once you go first time, it's different. You are all excited. You don't know what to expect. Uh, I was very happy that I could go to Olympics and live this Olympic moment and village and uh, races and all movement that comes with of course it's, uh, it's so much excitement that sometimes you forget about racing <laughs> which was problem uh many times i mean um was not just for the second sorry was that the experience in utah that was park city was the first experience for me was the first olympics and then torino that was the second one. And those were, um, of course, the first one was, is the first one I cannot say what was my, my um, 
if it was good or not good. 12th place, it's for the first time, maybe it's good, but it depends what level you are at. So uh, that was okay. But then Torino was huge disappointment for me. And especially every single big event like Olympics or World Championships for me were always zero medals. And this was getting into my mental uh, health. <laughs> and I was like, everyone, ah, she cannot do the, the big events. She's not ready mentally for that. And um, it's, it's complex. They think that you need to, to, to work on. And then later on, of course, with better team, with better preparation, we managed to bring medal from every single event. And experience, are they have to be done and you learn from them. So uh, Olympics are great experience and it's, it's great to be part of them. And especially when you achieve some level in, in, in your prime, in your own performance then of course it's not enough experience you need to you need to to take medals that's the other side uh, no, um, very uh, very interesting i mean uh, then you say it, it was yeah um, the first experience was really more about really being there and even though a 12th place for us you know amateur skiers or, or, or sports individuals, I think it's, it's still a truly remarkable achievement. Um, but was there also maybe like, you know, um, Olympic Games, not, not only winter, yeah, not only as a participant, uh, growing up, was that, was the, you know, the importance of achieving the Olympic medal, not necessarily only a gold, also kind of a value that was driving you, that was motivating you, you know, from, let's say, a younger stage as a, a still a young skier that was, you know, just starting with international competitions. I remember when I was in school, I would always design my, uh, my notebook with Olympic uh, circles. Uh, so my first, you know, when you start to use, I don't know the name in English, oh, uh, when you start to use Compass. the name. <laughs> This mathematics. Stilo, yeah. Um, Stilo. What is that in English? Uh, <laughs> when you know you, that you draw circles, radius, and. Uh, yeah, so that was my. I think also the teacher, they, they said, okay, now it's time to design those for, for uh, uh, homework. And uh, they were simply so special already. This um, architecture of the sign of Olympics is special than the tradition. Of, of Olympics, how, how long it is, how huge it is, how big movement this is, and it's the biggest event of the, of the world, everybody knows it, so being part of it, be able to, to participate is already a big success, but once you can take a medal, that's uh, also another level, and being part of this, it's huge privilege and great, um, great, uh, way that you can develop your hobby from the beginning and becoming a true work uh, that makes fun and uh, professional at the same time. Yeah, Matic uh, mentioned in the beginning that uh, I'm the chairman of Special Olympics Belgium and I don't know if you are familiar with Special Olympics, we are part of the Olympic family and uh, it is not elite sport but it's sport for people you know we are using sports as a kind of 
a way to include, you know, of inclusion, you know, to integrate uh, people with an intellectual disability, intellectual disability into society. And we also have uh, winter games and we have summer games, not the same cycle as the Olympic games. But mm -hmm. I, I agree with you. I mean, this being part of the Olympic family and having medals is something incredibly important for personally. You can imagine for people with an intellectual disability, when they receive a medal, you know, how proud they are and how happy they are, you know, and they will, you know, cherish the medal for their whole life. So I, I can imagine how you, you must feel eh, when you are young eh, and you, you receive a gold medal. So, so this is my experience. But I want to come back on, on, on actually on the Olympic Games. And, you know, you, you actually took part in uh, four Olympic Games, Utah, uh, Vancouver, uh, no, yeah. Utah, uh, Torino. Torino, Vancouver, and then Sochi, your last one. And I, they say that each Olympic game has a legacy, you know. Can you say, if, if it is possible, what was Utah as, not personally for you, but for, for the Olympic movement, Utah, uh, um, Torino, Vancouver, and Sochi, is that possible? So what, what is the, you know, what is, what remains with you as uh, something, wow, I, I experienced that in, in Utah and the others? Yeah, I believe for me, talking about these four Olympics was the most, uh, beside the Olympic Games, for me was the most uh, special moment in Vancouver because there I was a little of all the nation. I was uh, wearing, a, I was flag bearer as well and those moments there were so strong because just before for before the racing being uh, there and represent your country i believe that's the biggest um, responsibility you can have you need to represent your country best way you can do it and uh, sometimes i put so much pressure on myself <laughs> because of that uh, um, and this is for me was very important to be best representer possible on every single Olympic Games as I can be for my country. But Vancouver was even more special, and there I won two medals as well. That was my first Olympic medals, and this was uh, like um, already the opening ceremony was for me dream come true because it was so i felt it so hard in in i felt it so strong in into me because it was like things that we really love like indians and orcas ocean we are very natural very i think also the the medals were um recycled of the um, material that are used that can be used then in the second way and it was so many great messages in these olympic games that i felt them really 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 strong if i go back on actually the a really beautiful thing you elaborate on the you know the emotional dimension as a as a flag carrier for the country really i mean being the front name um, for the country obviously you are in Slovenia, without really um, any critical voice, we can we can claim that you are a national hero. And I mean, you still remain very highly popular, both with sport fans, which you know are very loyal to you, but you're really a 
household name in a single house almost, you know, despite them liking or not liking the sports. Um, how does it actually also feel then being sort of a national sports ambassador, um, you know, because you, you are in a way, you have been, while being an active athlete, you've been a national, um, in a way, sports ambassador, and now you still continue being an, you know, ambassador yeah. for the country. Yeah, it's a responsibility. I feel responsible to, to do my best, to be my best, to share good stories with people and to be a positive person that brings happiness into the lives. I, I, I believe this is very important because we all have troubles in the day and you don't want to have listen to somebody who has troubles uh, on the other side. And I believe this helps a lot. Sport can bring a lot of happiness. And I was very, it's a privilege to make people happy from sport aspect. And uh, talking about Special Olympics, uh, my village is uh, also, um, we have a huge center of this child and we were growing up together with them and I remember their happiness as well when I was winning they would always come to these parties because my village wanted to organize me a party afterwards after every single win in World Cup but this was so much then that it was not possible and they did at the end one and every time that this uh, child with special needs they came there I, they have uh, this special um, way of emotional outgoing, which is so spontaneous and so, so nice. So I know what difficulties are they going through because we were growing up to, together. I believe for them it's the same important as for one normal athlete that, that goes to Olympic Games. I mean, really interesting picture that you, that you kind of portray on the other side of the, as you say, with, with the village trying to, to organize a party and then, you know, yeah. you winning almost too much for all the organizational capacity. Um, <laughs> actually, I mean, and that opens a very interesting point for me to ask a, another question. There was, you gave an interview for an Austrian TV station reflecting on this dynamics of obviously Olympic, I mean, world championship, but also Olympic movement being a very competitive environment on one hand. And um, on the other hand, there's also always an opportunity to form friendships. And you, in that uh, interview, actually, you speak with um, Anna Weitel, who uh, now married Weitel, yeah, um, um, who po even post-career really remains, I mean, a very, very close friend of yours. And on the other hand, I mean, we've read stories about throughout the competition, um, you had a very competitive attitude with, um, with the American skier, Lindsay Vaughn. Um, and there was even a famous quote of your husband now, um, who I think said that he put the, her picture on, on your fridge to kind of irritate you and, and you know, gear you even more. So, um, I mean, were you able to, despite really this really, really tough competitive environment and strict focus, um, take the opportunity to build close friendships uh, or let's say relationships? you know, throughout the competition in yeah. FIS or the Olympics? I mean, being a competitor is different than being a friend. I never had time or I was always so focused on myself that I was, didn't see much things that were going around me. And sometimes I regret that because probably I could be more open person and make some more friends. But still you can connect later on like we did with Anna. We had never time to do that between the, the racing and afterwards when we were calmed down both 
we have similar characters and we found good friendship afterwards, for example, more than between the racing. Uh, while with Lindsay, it was always very uh, stressful because she was such a great uh, racer. She was performing so constantly well and uh, winning, won, winning so many globes and being there in the starting gate. We were all like frozen. Uh, we have now just second and third place to, to fight for which is very difficult. And Andrea was really pushing me. He said, if someone can beat her, that's you. And I said, and then he put her on the fridge and she was always the, the big motivation for us. And which is very nice, but it made it, made it really hard for me, but not because of her, because she, not because of her character, because she was such a great skier and so, so strong. Uh, athlete um, and she as American she has a different mentality than I had it as a Slovenian we are small nation we are not so uh, motivated m not so winning oriented already from a child on yes we can that's a, a American uh, altitude from beginning on and once you have that already as a child it's much easier to be the best to be the strongest to be um, whatever it means to be the best in the sport. And, and for me, that was big change that I had to do on myself because I'm coming from an environment which is very small. It's better to be quiet and to expose yourself because if you will expose yourself, then you will have problems. And it was a big change for me and I had to change personally and it's not easy when you work on yourself that way and and but that was the only way how i could bite into the lindsay's success <laughs> very funny question did you ever speak with her about this fridge photo i mean what did she did she actually yeah, say something about it? because it's been over all her media yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think that's very weird she said but, <laughs> Somewhere I noticed that we never spoke directly with her, but she's still there. Okay, don't misunderstand me. She's still on the fridge. And she's she still on your fridge. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because it was such a hard work to do to beat her. That was very hard for me. And uh, of course, beating Lindsay, uh, unfortunately, she, she was injured that season when I won the globe she was injured in between the season probably because she was pushing too much and um, it was not the tight fight until the end which i had later on with anna for example um but lindsay was always uh, uh, a goal her points she one year before she did 2000 points and that was my goal and I said, if I want to win a globe, mm. I need to do more than 2,000 points. And doing that in, in one single season, it's, it's a big, uh, big uh, challenge. Yeah. This leads me to another question. I mean, you talked a lot about yourself, your feelings, your emotions as an Olympian, you know, the, the sports, the concentration, the focus on, on winning and on racing. Uh, but you understand also that sports 
uh, has also a political dimension, you know, political in the not not that the, I would say party level, but in 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 a way that sports is bringing people together, is bringing yeah. nations together, is bringing communities together. That means you see that now uh, next tomorrow, you know, you have the Olympic Games in 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 um, in uh, Beijing in China. And uh, how, how do you feel like uh, when you are an athlete, when you are a top athlete, when you are really in your, in, in, in your racing, uh, do you feel also that kind of feeling that, that's, that sports is also uh, has a, a bonding kind of uh, impact on the world? You know, everyone is watching. And everyone is watching you as a Slovenian. So actually, you are you are carrying the Slovenian flag. So my question is: Do 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 you feel also this political importance of sport when you are racing downhill at high speed, or is that something you know which comes only afterwards? I think that makes more. Um, it it brings you to those knowledge while opening ceremony, while uh, medal ceremony. Mm. that's more important than while you are racing because while you are racing you should not think about that you should focus on yourself on your performance and less you think unfortunately mm. better it is um, but the sport is like that while you are performing but the, this political and, and nation Coming, nations coming together, it's huge because, of course, you feel it, especially on opening ceremonies when you see all those nations, when you see different nations that don't practice your sport and they try to do it. For example, for me in Sochi, it was very amazing watching um, a violinist. Um, um, now I will not, uh, I, I'm losing her name. Um, Oh my God! Uh, she was racing for Thailand. Uh, this musician, <laughs> I don't. I, I. It's not coming her name. But anyway, um, she was never skiing. I mean, she tried to practice this sport. She was always in the music, and then living in Switzerland, probably she learned how to ski um, later on, and. Anyway, she came to Olympics and participated for Thailand. Uh, and I remember she had huge, uh, I, I had 20 seconds of advantage probably because I was winning and she was probably the last person. But it's different segment of the, such uh, event as Olympic is and this can happen only there. I have a friend, Hubertus, who is racing for Mexico he did like uh, seven, uh, six Olympic Games and it, it has different uh, message, of course, than ones that maybe I am representing as a typical, maybe professional skier. There are also people on Olympics that are not professional, but they bring so much message into Olympics and uh, this uh, commu community is great because of them too. And this message that you're talking about, I mean, you, you are still nowadays, as I think I mentioned before, you are actually an ambassador for the Slovenian Tourist Board, you know, as a, really as a sort of a um, sports ambassador for the country. Um, is there also other really, I mean, projects that you 
continue evolving on 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 you know developing maybe that are connected to um to let's say creating dialogue through sports yeah i mean working in switzerland for swiss brand for skis it's already uh, a, a big challenge for me because every nation sees their uh, nation heroes first and when you are working as a, a external uh, personality that's not swiss it's difficult sometimes <laughs> because your mentality is different because every nation has their heroes uh, and of course national segment is important but to do this com communication between lands it's very important i believe because every single culture has some um, um, has some oh my god my english is getting bad from <laughs> denominators probably i think that's what you're trying to some good things and it has some bad things so yeah. i believe we can learn from each other a lot i believe slovenians are we are great to to work to be good workers to be quiet sometimes when it's needed and work italians are not able to stay quiet and work <laughs> they talk and but they have a good thing that they know how to rest which we don't have uh, as a slovenians i'm talking this because we have a family business on a daily basis i'm a slovenian <laughs> my my uh, partner is italian and i think this is very interesting because we can learn from each other he learned how to stay quiet sometimes and work <laughs> and i learned how to 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 rest because the rest is uh, it brings better quality afterwards and if you only work 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 it's no quality at the end and you need to in sport i need to learn that and i believe also with swiss or with belgium we we can uh, it's many things that you can learn between different lands to be better Did in the world yeah did you actually uh, i mean an uh, interesting question because you mentioned your husband now uh, did you actually i mean he was also you were working together as a team yeah but did you actually did the skiing in a way bring you together did, is, is that how let's say the the personal side also started yeah we we known each other in year 2000 i was very young he he was that time a coach of the team uh, especially on physical preparation uh, but that time we were not together. This was the beginning when we, we knew each other. He was in the team as a coach. But I have to say that when he arrived, it arrived also my first victory in the World Cup. At that age, was very great to, to be able to win in the World Cup, especially in Sölden, in Austria, where this hill was very, very difficult one. And he, he really knows methodically how to bring an athlete to a high performance on, on, on the day you need it. The Olympics are next week, so they need to be now in the shape, not yeah. two weeks after. That's, that's the hardest part in sports, to know how to build the, the um, high performance. Yeah. And obviously, I mean, the sporting world has 
unfortunately also fall under the constraint of, of you know the, the recent developments that we've seen in you know with COVID in in the last two years almost um do you also see i mean there is a natural evolution in any discipline including sports but of course COVID has you know ex ex exaggerated that uh, do you see there there will be also any long-standing impact or let's say changes that will um that will remain post COVID um period now in the in the winter sports yeah, I believe this situation is not making it easy for no one. I, I hear different stories from the athletes, from the people that are traveling, how many issues they have to just go there, uh, not to, to program your uh, performance. Uh, of course, we are, we are um, one person and if your focus needs to be on on are you positive are you negative uh, can i go can i not go what will happen it's it's very confused confusing and you cannot i think this will have an impact on the people in terms of living the day because you cannot um, visualize now for 10 10 days in advance for example it can happen you cannot do the race and this is so hard, I cannot imagine this, how it must be for some people going through this. Um, it's like very hard moments, I think, for everyone. Yeah, so maybe, I mean, uh, as you say, like the, the, the momentum that, like, that basically you find out that 10 days, meaning my next planned, I mean, already kind of pre-programmed plan in my head that I'm competing, I'm doing this race is, is out of the window. Um, is this also going to change the relationship? For example, like Olympic Games, there's you know, it's been quite a few names that unfortunately will ha will not be able to compete, were not able to travel due to you know infection. You think that will also change the you know relationship uh, or you know yeah the relationship towards the Olympics? I mean, will that become even more oh, valid experience for for athletes then? No, I don't think it will change it. It will change it for this time maybe um, or. Yeah, for this moment, I believe we will, next year we will think differently yeah. and things will change and this will be uh, seen different way as it is now. And I hope it will not have impact on the long, long term. Yeah. yeah. Because Olympics are Olympics. If we have as a society need to, folk, need to deal with these situations, I think we can deal with them, but um, I don't think it will have an impact on the normality, which we know. Yeah. Are you, going to, are you going to watch the Olympic Games in Beijing? If I will watch, of course. <laughs> I'm already nervous because I see some of the athletes are positive and they are locked down in the hotels and spin <laughs> bike to do. And then I'm thinking, oh my God, if they will uh, heal themselves and they can race, they will go out from the hotel as, uh, you know, these racing horses that are going crazy afterwards. And uh, I think this on one side will have a good impact on them because they will be even more motivated. But they need to go out of the hotel first. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
but of course safety first that's what we have to you know maybe encounter unfortunately um okay. one of the things that you mentioned at the beginning already and i thought was very interesting that you you know said i mean you also actually did you always try to combine still your education apart from really you know focusing on building such an extraordinary extraordinary career um and now, I mean, you are educated in pedagogics, yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, uh, yeah. How, I mean, what, is there also a connection, I mean, a global connection between this mindset of a top athlete that you as a, let's say, if you would actually, you know, really go into practice, that you could convey to, let's say, future generations or even, you know, let's say top leaders, you as a top athlete that have really been on the top of the game, what kind of skills or or or, or even a thinking process you would actually convey to, to other leaders in the field? I mean, it's different world. The sport is great because it has no opinion. It has no... Um, it's time and you have to work on yourself, on your psychophysical strength on a daily basis. And I believe in leadership. It's different because people need to have opinions, need to, need to have different skills than you need them in the sport. Of course, sport can help. And if you are physical, psychophysically strong, then you can be strong also on performances like leadership or, or different kind of um, things that people are doing as a leader or, or politics or whatever segment, it doesn't matter. Stronger you are as a person uh, in psychophysical state uh, better you can perform I believe in every single aspect so I would say this is one side that I would suggest and the other thing is maybe never being happy is <laughs> the, the, the lifestyle I was living I was never happy I was always looking for things that were not going right and make them better and that's a hard lifestyle and you get very annoying and you get very annoying to yourself at the end because you cannot always dream for something that's wrong sometimes it needs to be all okay too and it's fine if it's all okay but once you need to achieve such a level high level in sports i was convinced that if i will be never happy this will bring me to a lot of success <laughs> But is, was that a, a mentality that it was maybe a part of a cultural background? Like, you know, let's say Slovenian mentality a bit, or is this really the, you know, the, the competitive yeah. drive? Yeah, it's a way you, you, you find somehow, but I think it has a lot, of, a lot to do with mentality of a nature, of a nation, sorry. Um, it, it has, we have different approach to living um, and as Amer Americans do or as Italians do. It's it's different style of living because nature pushes you to, to live that way. Uh, our lives in, in, in mountains are not easy and you need to always stream for something or always, you have always need to do something uh, because yeah, we, we don't have conditions like they have them in Hawaii where you don't need to do anything and you can live from anything because fishes are almost jumping onto your boat and the sun is so strong that the vegetables are 
uh, are blooming and, and you don't need to work so much. And in Slovenia was always work, work, work. Because if you will work, then you will have success. And yeah. I don't know what's wrong, what's right. That's the way how we live. <laughs> um, you mentioned a lot of, um, also in, in several articles, you mentioned, you speak a lot about your really love for nature and th that being kind of such a predominant thing. But there is also one passion that, I mean, I've noticed, I've read a little bit about, and, and that is music, actually. I mean, there, there was even an, a great anecdote that it is in your book, how Uh, I think it was after a race in Austria. I'm now not entirely sure that you sat in in a uh, in a foyer of a hotel and you just sat behind the piano and played Beethoven's Four Elise. Um, yeah. And then on the other hand, you also had your um, your 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 single, which was a kind of a great um, push um, in your, in that stage of your career, which was My Way Is My Decision. So. Um, Was music always also part of your of your journey of your of your you know career? Um, and yeah. will we actually hear Tina on stage <laughs> in a new single again soon? Or ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Because music, you're never too old. That's the best part of music. For sports, you become old, not too old, but uh, when you are 50, you are old, and. Um, I believe music, you, you older you are, better you can become. And this is great thing about music. But music was always part of our family. My father was playing uh, guitar, harmonic, and I was always performing already since I was three years old. He would play on the harmonic and I would sing. So I have some nice pictures with us two performing in front of our family. And... Performing was very nice for me. I mean, music is nice. Uh, we, we, we had really great memories with my family. When we all came together, my father would play uh, harmonic and we were dance and have a party. You know, we are happy people too. We don't like only to work, but um, music is, is a rhythm. For me, music was also in skiing very important because when I was skiing slalom, I would listen different music than I would listen it when I was doing GS because GS was more like waltzer, you know. -na 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 -na. <laughs> and, and, and skiing is slalom, it's like rock and roll. You need to boom, 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 boom. <laughs> <laughs> and, and downhill was um, like hard rock for me. And it was like uh, different, different approaches for different uh, um, disciplines. So we can, we can expect a um, specially, exclusively curated playlist by Tina Maze for <laughs> exactly. different disciplines. <laughs> And then we found out a new, a new version of, because I was saying, slalom is rock and roll. And then downhill was hard rock, but when I came to the finish, I would rap it because I would explain <laughs> what was happening. <laughs> <laughs> so mixing all the genres yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. just some jokes <laughs> of course that's <laughs> yeah, com yeah coming back to the olympic games which start uh, this week uh, in in china 
I mean, yeah. have you have you traveled in China? Have you you know have you been any any contacts with China, Chinese culture, civilization? So, do you have any experience on that? Unfortunately, not. But I was supposed to go there for uh, previous Olympics, and we, it was uh, I was pregnant, so I couldn't go. I really love, uh, I would love to go to Japan too. I've never been on that side of the world and it's, it's really one undiscovered world for me. I have a lot of information how, how the snow is. It's very cold now, but once you're not there, you, you don't know much. So I, I really don't know the culture that well and maybe someday. And, and China, of course, is a newcomer in winter sports. Eh? Mm -hmm. uh, although there is certainly snow enough, but it's not like in Europe or in America or in the Nordic countries or in the Alps. It's yeah. very different. So, uh, do do you think that the legacy of those games will be important for for um, for winter sports in general in the future? It depends how much they will bring it to the younger generations while they will be there Olympics and are so important. I think for every child that will follow this, it will have an impact because it had it on me, even though this is not their typical sport, maybe alpine skiing or snow. But once you watch this, once you watch uh people winning listening to the national anthem this brings special emotion and special will to to the younger generation so i believe it's all matter how much they will leave them how much they will love it and how much they will feel with it i think from that you can then bring some passion because without passion it's hard to create a successful athletes i'm saying on top level because uh, skiing or, or winter sports in asia i mean of course you have japan eh? where you have the we have the olympic games in in japan and sapporo uh, also in in uh, in korea so maybe this uh, olympic games now in beijing will have a very lasting impact on on the popularity of winter sports uh, in china and i think uh, there is a whole uh, road to to you know to to go you know to to make it a very popular sport so and as you know china is a huge country yeah exactly i think they have so many potentials so many good um because you can develop every sport if they have a base is good i mean skiing it's not so pro so much so hard sport if you have uh, knowledge how to move your body you know i believe the mm. chinese are working very well on the basis in sports too and and they have so such a great athletes in other sports maybe more in in uh, in um, uh, summer sports uh, they are dominating and i believe some sports they can really developed also in in winter sports like like skiing it is of course you cannot think that it will happen over the year but um, it takes some time 
take some time. We need actually one, one of the interesting things that we try to do as part of our podcast is that we uh, we are working on a project of a future leaders forum actually, and and we've asked uh, we've asked three of the let's say future leaders from China uh, because of the that China being the host of the Winter Olympic Games that start tomorrow, uh, and three future leaders from Europe to actually pose a question that they have for an Olympic champion. So I have it written down also with their um, with their um, regions. So um, I would actually like to ask you. The first question is actually um, from Shirley from Fujian Province, who asks you about how is Olympicism uh, with all the connotations and ideals such as excellence, solidarity, friendship, mutual understanding integrated in your education, your career, your life, um, and how do you? Do you still translate this Olympic spirit, Olympic ethos, on a daily basis? Yeah, I would always say when I feel good, I would say I feel very Olympic today. <laughs> <laughs> you feel very Olympic. Uh, yeah, uh, this is very. It's like part of us, part part of our days, part of our lives. It's. Uh, it's uh, I remember this bobsled group that was making this sentence in the movies. I feel very Olympic today. You don't I, I probably you've seen them and and it's such a strong moment for them being from Jamaica doing this bobsled race and it was uh, for me very important to, to see that movie and to have this Olympic um movie in my head so I would always say when when I feel good I say I feel very Olympic today and of course uh, all the movement with with that comes with Olympics is um, is um, it's like um, now I can say it's like normal to me um, because I, I won the Olympics I've been there four times I know how it goes I know many things I've seen many things and being a flag bearer as well was special honor for me so I, I lived so many nice things with the Olympics that I have only uh, good things to say about it the second question is um, how does the experience of attending the Olympics and winning all the medals on such a grand occasion influence um, your motivation to life now? It has post, because post-retirement, post yeah. I mean, in in the it has a lot of impact because you know me because of that. Otherwise, we wouldn't talk today. So many things are happening because I won the Olympic medals. I can be thankful to that that I can still be part of this Olympic movement, part of production in sport, part of sharing my knowledge with other people and helping maybe on one side. So uh, it has huge, it's, it's like, it's part of my career still and it's not daily basis trainings and attacking the gates, but it's different kind of uh, work. Uh, and it's it's nice to share your experience with people for, that are interested in that. And now to the European counterparts, um, what would you consider um, the three ingredients of your great success were? The three, I would say um, hard work, uh, talent, 
and good team, which is not three things, but it was five people. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Um, and a very interesting question, I think many yeah, younger generations asking themselves in these times is, um, did you ever have a plan B at the beginning of your career? I mean, in case you would actually have an injury or that you would not be able to break through? Of course. Um, but probably I'm not one of the, I'm one of the few that had, I mean, I was always had a B plan. I was always studying with it which I mentioned before, it's not easy. Not every country is um, for that organized and systems are sometimes hard to, to do uni university with sports. But I somehow managed to do both. So in case I would get injured, I would probably teach in the school kids. So I would have a work. I would finish this university, which I finished anyway. So I'm happy I could do both things quite successful way. Yeah. And the very last question is um, also, I think, very much themed in, in the spirit of future generations. How did you combine your private life and interests with your career? You started very young, with already on a high professional level. Um, and then how, how did actually your normal life look like? I mean, you probably had interest in parties, meeting friends. Yeah, I, I, the best part was happening to me when I was 12 years old. I could travel first time to Canada to do a kids race. And this for a 12-year-old child is such a great experience. You cannot imagine. Of course, the, the ski club coach was traveling with us. So I felt safe and home and all of that. But traveling to Canada for me was something amazing that happened. But on the other side, we started to work on a professional way when I was 16. So when you're 16, your, your team, your, your friends are having different lifestyle than I had. So they were partying more than I did. They <laughs> spent time together and then <laughs> I had to train. And of course, sometimes I missed it, but I was saying always, okay, you will work a little bit earlier. So you will earn then more time for yourself and for your family when you will have it. So probably I, I took that as a work as a very young person already and taking it very serious, it brings me to the success. Yeah, I think uh, we are nearly at the end of our uh, very interesting discussion and, and, I, and maybe a last question. So what, what can you expect as a person, Tina Maza, for the next five to ten years? What, what's going to be your passion and your projects, you know, you really want to achieve the coming, the coming years, you know? Yeah, I, I'm not that passion person that needs to achieve anything. I mean, something anymore. I don't have that goals anymore. I, I, I had that goal with skiing, which was my career and professional um, at, at the, at, I was um, I'm not addicted, but um, it was my profession, uh, and there I had goals. But for me now, goal is it, it's no goal. It's more living. It's being with family. It's uh, different moments. But my career 
probably will develop a little bit later when my daughter is a little bit older and I will have more time for myself and then I will start to work on different things that I still think it will be sport and if something I wish I would wish that I would be able to work with few people that I was working in my skiing career on such high level it means five people working together and having this um preparedness can you help me Matiz? it's like um comrade like uh, spirit yeah. yeah i think that would be this was with skiing so nice and with this <coughs> private that i had that this is quite more important for me than the medals because only with such work you can achieve um such a great results i believe so working with people for me it's great if this energy it's it's uh, it's working and this maybe in the future that's my goal to create another team uh, that will work like it did this one in something i don't know what yet <laughs> but so, there is, <laughs> so the ocean of opportunity is still open it's all open no no doors are closed except the, the professional doors of racing <laughs> <laughs> perfect <laughs> the next generation is coming up so yeah, yeah my body is better performances <laughs> yeah um really last question from uh, from my side as well um you you said i know everything about the snow conditions i mean then i mean can we have a, a small forecast on what can we expect out of the the skiing slopes in beijing i mean is the is the snow conditions great is um, are we gonna see some outstanding um, accomplishments um i mean the olympics are always outstanding it doesn't matter on situation those who will win they will win it doesn't matter if someone is not present or not so I don't think this will impact on on the winning um on the winners and winners will be winners they nobody will take their medals away anytime and it, nobody will remember what was like the situation after it's not important the important is that the, the win if you get a medal or not of course I'm talking about top performer racers but on the other side i think the 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 challenge will be to to make these races done and and this organization that they have having those troubles coming there it's it's making it harder for everyone and um but still olympics are olympics and i don't think anything can change this message that they are bringing it to the nations so um the snow i heard it's very dry um it's very cold a lot of wind and i've never been in such conditions so i don't know how the materials are reacting i saw some pictures from biathlon today they are using double uh, hand um, gloves. gloves and and they need to protect themselves of course with skiing if it's cold if, if it's minus 30 and you ski down and downhill sometimes we protect our skin uh in order not to burn them and there are different strategies winter is winter we need snow snow is white 
<laughs> you have to make it simple. Complicating is uh, in sport not good idea. <laughs> but I think it was a really a tremendously good idea to have you as our guest in our podcast to dive a bit deeper on you know your personal journey uh, as well as really what the meaning of you know Olympic spirit, which I think we really managed to convey through this conversation. So I would um, really once again like to thank both of you. Thank you so much, um, Tina Maza, for your time for your experiences, which are, I mean, uh, really a learning momentum for, for many people. And last but not least, also to our chairman, Ambassador Pete Steele, um, to join us for the conversation um, with his input from the diplomatic side of the world. I think, thank you, Pete. You have uh, more experience on the other side than I do. And that's nice combination, I think, right? Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much to both of you. <laughs> to both of you. Thank you.